This is Campfire Financial Talk with Blake Kondreva from Nevada Retirement Planners. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Blake Kondreva provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Campfire Financial Talk with Blake Kondreva. Hello, and welcome back to Campfire Financial Talk. My name is Blake Kandreva from Nevada Retirement Planners. If you'd like more information about what you hear today during our show, give us a call at 775-674-2222 or visit us online at nvretirementplanners.com. And while at my website, click on the radio page to check out past shows and to subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us with questions or to set up face-to-face or virtual meetings. President Joe Biden's recent signing of the Inflation Reduction Act has drawn significant coverage in both general and financial news sectors. While the bill's name is fairly straightforward, as most large pieces of legislation are, the details are anything but. The Inflation Reduction Act includes incentives for purchasing electric vehicles, tax breaks to accelerate the country's move to renewable energy sources, and a potential reduction in health care costs for many Americans by allowing Medicare to directly negotiate prices with drug manufacturers. But that's just the tip of the legislative iceberg. On today's show, we're going to peel the Inflation Reduction Act apart in a way that hopefully provides a deeper understanding of what this massive piece of legislation could mean for you, your wallet, and your financial strategy. But before we explore that subject any further, let me introduce my co-host, Tony Shore, who doesn't need any legislation to prove his value. (laughs) Oh, come on now, Blake. That's awesome. Uh, That's great. And I I thank you for that, too. Um, Yeah, this bill. Wow. I'm glad we're talking about it today. Um, uh, Does that make me veto proof? Uh, If I don't need legislation, I'm veto proof, right? Yep, yep, you're the, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm excited. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've been doing pretty good, pretty good, and had a busy week. You know, uh, you and I got to hang out at a big financial conference. Uh, we should tell people about that. And uh, you were meeting with some of our nation's top advisors. They had like 50 to 60 of our top advisors, plus the chief investment uh, analyst and strategist for uh, Charles Schwab and a, a lot of great speakers and uh, people there that you were mingling with and talking to, right? Oh yeah, yeah, it was incredible. You know, I yeah. really love those events because it it gives us a chance not only to come together as advisors and you know see the people that we work with every day. You know, only talking to them on the phone uh, and allows us to you know, just really work on our practices. The great part about Gradient is that the, all these advisors are from different areas, you know? So when we, all over the country, when we come together, you know, that, you know, that advisors on the other side of the country or he's not in your market. So everybody's sharing ideas, you know, talking about their best practices, you know, what they can do to, 
to better their service to their clients. So it's it's a really great event. Um, we also had a lot of uh, really great speakers like Brian Belsky who came in and you oh know, yeah talked about yeah. just the you know what's going on in the world and uh, with investments and. Yeah, and he's 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 one of the head. He heads up uh, BMO Capital Markets, Brian Belsky. He's he's amazing. He was great, and I know you were telling me you really enjoyed uh, also uh, Liz Ann Saunders. Uh, she's the again the chief investment strategist. I guess is her actual title yeah. for Charles Schwab. Uh, just those two alone. I mean, the information and knowledge they shared. And you learn ways to help your clients about what's going on so you can better serve your clients, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just really trying to get a, a feel for what's going on in the market. You know, what what should we be looking at? What are different factors that could affect, you know, the outlook that they're, you know, giving us and really just allowing us the ability to pick their brains and say, okay, you know, if you think this, why do you think this? You know, what started, uh, you know, what started this thought process that we were going yeah. to have this end result? So, yeah, you know, it just really helps you with your critical thinking about, you know, how the markets change and what, you know, these different, you know, high upper echelon people are talking about, you know, what? Yeah, exactly. And, and rubbing elbows with all the top advisors, of which you are one in our country here. That's awesome. Uh, especially right now, we, the markets are, are really tanking. I mean, the headline today as of the recording of the show is uh, S&P 500 falls to new low for 2022. So, uh, yeah, it's like down almost between 24 and 30 points. It's not good, right? No. Not at all, you know, and the reason why we're seeing that is is because of inflation, you know. Yeah. And the the Fed's raising the rate, and you know, it's kind of why I wanted to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act because, you know, <laughs> even the Congressional Budget Office, who's an independent agency that supplies nonpartisan budget and economic information to Congress, said that the bill's impact on inflation is likely to be. In its own, in their own words, negligible. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's going to have almost no impact on lowering inflation, but it's called the Inflation Reduction Act. Classic, correct. classic Congress move to name the bill something that it doesn't even accomplish. Sometimes it's even the opposite. I I call those titles the titles of the bill are always misleading. They're always ironic. Sometimes the bill does just the opposite of what the title says or doesn't do at all what the title says, like in this case, right? Yep. You know, and and it really, I mean, the thing as well about this bill is that it, it was not bipartisan at all. You know, the, the Democrats have control of the House and Senate right now, and it only passed through the Senate. It was dead even. It was 50-50, um, and they had to call in Vice President Kamala Harris to you know, uh, put yeah. in the, the last push vote. It, to push it over. Yeah. It was completely down the line, uh, partisan. It wasn't a bipartisan bill. No Republicans voted for it yeah. and all the Democrats voted for it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I've heard a lot about the bill, you know, it, it is going to try to the way they're going to pay for it. I guess it's a, it's a huge bill, 
a lot of money going out once again from our government. And they say they're going to pay for it, of course, by raising taxes on corporations and making a 15% mandatory tax on large corporations. So, Well, you know, that is one thing that I do think is going to have a uh, pretty good effect because it's only, I mean, that's targeted at businesses that uh, have an annual uh, annual influx of a billion dollars or more. Yeah, they and, have to have a profit of a billion or more. So yeah. we're talking about Google, Apple, Facebook, and Tesla. You know, yeah. What the weird part is is that when you look at Apple, their headquarters isn't in the U.S. Technically, their headquarters right. is um, overseas in yep. a country that doesn't have a corporate tax rate. So right. they essentially bypass taxes on all that stuff because they're not you know, headquartered in America. So now that this is going to apply to all companies, regardless of that, if you're going to do business here and you're going to, I mean, we'll see what they always have, you know, some, some fancy ways of trying to get around these things. Of course, like that's why they move their offices overseas, their headquarters overseas. So they can, you know, so who knows, but in theory, you know, these businesses that have been avoiding, you know, th- mm-hmm. these taxes all these years are finally going to have to start paying up. So, yeah. And I hope they find a way to make companies like Apple or companies that are making these huge profits. I have no problem with a capitalistic society and I want companies to be profitable, but the big ones, once your once your profits, you know, your net, your profits at, you know, your net profits are are, you know, over a billion dollars, I think, you know, like Apple could afford to buy their own country at this point. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's they've got more money than God. So why do they have a problem with paying a 15 percent corporate tax rate? I It, it boggles the mind, really. Uh, that means, uh, you know, 15 percent less in bonuses for their hierarchy, which is <laughs> yeah, you know, true. It's just going to yeah, be and, so and, major. And the stock, and they want the stock to to you know they're they're doing everything they can. I know why they do it is to keep their stock prices up, and so stockholders and executives are are really why these companies do that. Uh, executive payouts and bonuses, and to keep the stocks high. Because a lot of those executives and <laughs> have stocks, and yeah. the bonuses are in stock. So yeah, that's I, I get that, but it is good that they're trying to pay for it without increasing the budget deficit, uh, which we have such a huge, horrible budget deficit in this country. Yeah, uh, you know, there's also another little part of that bill that um, also with those uh, companies that you know, buy back their own stock from their executives. That's kind of a way that has been hushly used to, you know, evade some taxes. And uh, now the bill requires a company to pay a 1% tax when they buy back their own stock. So Ah, it's it's really enhancing the IRS's tax evasion enforcement. So, you know, we can... yeah. And that part of the bill's been controversial too, though. The IRS, uh, it's good and bad in a way. I'm glad they're cracking down on tax loopholes to help cover costs. But um, the IRS agents, I know there's been a lot of talk out there that, uh, you know, uh, why do we need to have more IRS? We don't want more audits and go after the regular people. But supposedly the bill is going to go after um, 
you know, the wealthy corporations and the, the top 1%. Yeah, you know, I, I I find it hard to believe that even if they add, you know, all these extra tax enforcement people that it's going to, they're going to start then going after, you know, regular average Joe American, you know, that yeah. that's not where the money is. The money yeah. is in finding these companies that are evading taxes and doing yeah. it and yeah. They just really don't have enough people to be able to dedicate enough time to going through somebody's books. I mean, when I try and sit down and, and look at the, our own books for our company, it'll take me a couple of days to get just my head even wrapped around it. And, right. you know, when most of these people come in for an audit, at least for us, you know, regular people, that audit for a small business maybe takes three days. You know, so um, if they only have three days to spend uh, with those large companies, they, they need all the manpower they can get to, you know, try and catch some of these loopholes that these businesses have been using. I'm in no way advocating this because, you know, I, I hate to see, you know, them turn it around and use these agents on the average American. But, you know, that's what system of checks and balances is really for and uh, yeah. you know at least of the 80 billion that are is going to be going to the IRS over the next decade they'd be using 5 billion of it that's specifically earmarked for technology so hopefully we can get out of the stone ages there and yeah. you know have yeah. Uh, yeah. have online uh, you know, systems and platforms that work better yeah, no. the IRS, I know that, you know, some of these government agencies are using computers that are still running Windows XP or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. You know, they're 10, 15 years behind as far as technology goes. And so that that's good. The one part I really do like in the bill, um, and that uh, I think this is the one piece even some Republicans like, but they didn't just had some problems with the bill overall. And that is uh, Medicare. Um, there's a lot in the bill that helps with Medicare and especially drug, um, you know, to pay for drugs in, in Medicare, right? I mean, oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's going to be a huge part because um, what the bill now allows Medicare to do is to negotiate drug prices directly with the manufacturer. It's um, about time, right? Yeah. Yeah. That just doesn't make any sense to me why you wouldn't allow that in the first place. <laughs> right. But Well, uh, the reason they didn't is, I think, the lobbying power of the uh, large pharma industry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's very true. Um, but it's really going to, you know, put a lot of caps and things on certain out-of-pocket expenses for uh, many Medicare-covered people. You know, they're going to have... Uh, a $2,000 yearly cap on how much Part D prescription drug plan enrollees will have to pay for out-of-pocket medications. Um, and it levies tax penalties on drug manufacturers that increase their prices beyond the rate of inflation. You know, I don't know if you saw that uh, article about Jeff Bezos and Amazon, but, you know, when you go and take a look at how much these drug companies are marking up their prices. Uh, it was insane. Um, cause Jeff Bezos started a new, uh, arm of Amazon that does, uh, prescription 
medications and they cap yep. they cap the amount that they will uh, that they'll mark it up. So while you're getting like a 200% markup in some cases on these medications, um, you know, they're only marking it up 5% and selling it. So there are companies out there that are trying to, you know, change the, the drug market. And uh, it's good to see that finally, you know, there's some legislation yeah. here that's also, you know, adding into yeah. it. Uh, yeah, even though it only starts off with allowing them to negotiate on like a 10 of the most used drugs, it expands over the next 10 years to like 65 different drugs. Uh, I don't know why they couldn't just make it all drugs. They should be able to negotiate prices with all drugs. But I guess compromise, you know, all these bills consist of is compromise after compromise. So, yeah, um, uh, but that's it's a it's a step in the right direction, isn't it? It is. It definitely is. You know, the the Congressional Budget Office that, again, is, an, is a nonpartisan entity, uh, yep. estimates that the negotiating priv- provision alone will save Medicare almost $102 billion oh. during the next 10 years. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. I mean, that's $10 billion a year right there. Yeah. You know, so yeah. really when we're taking a look at this bill, what we're seeing is a lot of, uh, you know, they are increasing taxes, but from what we see, it's nothing that's going to be aimed specifically at the the average American or retirees. Yeah, it's not, it shouldn't affect the middle or lower class or seniors. And so that's, that's the good news right there. Yeah. 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 And it's, and it's working to lower our national debt. You yeah, know. reduce that budget deficit because of things like saving Medicare money. And if the taxing the corporation works as the bill says it will, which <laughs> uh, you know how our government works, that may or may not happen. But if that happens, then we can actually, yes, the bill will pay for itself and work. But will that happen? You know, and are there loopholes in there in the thousands and pages, you know, thousands of pages of the bill that would you know, help us. But from what we, what we read and what we hear, they say, this is what's happening. So, um, and I know there are some watchdog groups out there that are going to try to try to keep them to it and make them stick to what's, what they're actually passing. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Especially because, um, this has such an opportunity to, you know, really, uh, you know, take effect on, on our, our budget and our deficit, uh, yeah. it's, it's going to be up to groups like those watchdog groups to make sure that they're, they're being followed, you yeah. know, cause yeah, exactly. I mean, I wish we had one here in the state of Nevada. Cause when I remember when they were getting ready to, uh, pass, uh, legal legalized marijuana in the state of Nevada, they said that all proceeds from, the taxation of that were going to be used for schools and I didn't see any teachers getting any raises. I mean, yeah, nothing. See, that's the problem right there. Yep. Uh, So it's, you know, they're bringing in tax money from that. Oh my God. (laughs) The the amount of money that's coming in from that is, has got to be off the charts, you know, just, yeah just talking to people that I know in that industry, the amount of money that's going 
going into it is just mind-boggling. You yeah. Know? So. Yeah. It, it is. So, well, I think that's a great point. Uh, unfortunately, regarding inflation, uh, you know, as far as current inflation that we're dealing with right now that we need relief from, this bill isn't it. No. This bill isn't helping us right now with our current inflation. So... Uh, hopefully they will get that under control. I know the Fed just raised, as you mentioned, the interest rates again, another three quarters of a percent. Um, they keep raising it and uh, keeps pushing us into, you know, what is basically a, a recession and, and uh, really caused the markets to drop. But, you know, the proof is going to be in the pudding. Is it going to actually reduce inflation? That's that's why they're doing it. So I hope it succeeds. Well, you know, one of the things that was brought up at that uh, conference that we were just at was that, you know, most of these uh, rate increases that we're looking at are based on figures that are seven months old. Mm. Seven months old. So, yikes. We're, what we were hoping and what they were talking about at the conference was that, you know, we would probably see another rate increase by the end of the year, but hopefully by the end of the year, those because we're seven months lagging in yeah you know the information that they're using that it will show them that hey you know this has changed and we can you know for the beginning of the year maybe not do a reduction but just have it level out you yeah. know just yeah. not see any more rate increases after the end of the year and that's yeah. where we'll really start to see things start picking back up people getting more confidence and like okay you know, we've been dealt the rough end of the stick right now, but, uh, you know, we're, we're Americans. We, you know, yeah. we fight through anything and we yeah. can make it, you know, we'll, you know, when the COVID came around, we showed that we could adapt and overcome and make things work even with a, you know, pretty much shut down economy. So yeah, exactly. I think people really have to, you know, First of all, pay attention to what's going on in your area as far as politics go. You know, there's an election here in Nevada coming up November 8th that, uh, you know, we really need to make sure that our voices are being heard, that we're getting people into those offices that, you know, are going to be different, that are going to push a different, you know, political atmosphere on our whole country. Because if we're going to stay where we're at right now, it's going to be a rough couple of more years. Yeah. Yeah, true. It is. And, uh, you know, I think we're in for some more volatility, you know, uh, leading up to the election and right after it. Nobody has a crystal ball. But, yeah, I wouldn't look for any huge gains this year, but you never know. Uh, nobody has a crystal ball. But you can have a plan put in place to deal with this volatility. And that's what you've done for your clients so they don't have to panic uh, when the market's down. How can our listeners set up that complimentary consultation with you? Listeners can visit my website at nvretirementplanners.com or call my office at 775-674-2222 to discuss how we might be able to answer your questions and address your concerns about your retirement income. It's our goal to help you prepare for the retirement you've worked so hard for. All right. Thanks, Blake. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Campfire Financial Talk with our host, Blake Kendriva. Thank you for listening to Campfire Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Blake at Nevada Retirement Planners. 
Call 775-674-2222 or visit them online at campfirefinancialtalk.com. Advisory services are offered by Nevada Retirement Planners, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Nevada. Insurance products and services are offered through Nevada Senior Advisors, LLC, an affiliated company. Nevada Retirement Planners, LLC, and Nevada Senior Advisors, LLC are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.